Welcome to episode 21 of Winging It, the transfer special. And 21 seconds is how many Sheffield United took to score last night. Seamlessly link him with episode 21. Hesketh, did you miss the goal? I didn't miss the goal. I never missed the goal. <laughs> I wish I did miss the goal. Yes. Well, I'm desperate, I'm desperate to make a So Solid Crew reference here, but I can't <laughs> shoehorn it in. So I'll just say it. And then we'll move on. Yeah. Tut, tut, tut. There you go. Mm. Uh, so that is Samuel Heskey, if you can hear. There is no Albert Curley tonight due to him having the migraine skank or something. He's got he's got a headache. He's phoned in sick. But we have an able deputy in Carl Davies. Thank you for joining, Carl. Hi, guys. Great to be here. Third winging it cap. Over 10% of them, Terry. <laughs> yeah, indeed. We're going to have to start putting you on the payroll, mate. Um, <laughs> payroll? Payroll? Wait, what? You're getting paid? No, no, nobody gets paid at winging it. <laughs> it costs us money to do this. Don't worry. Mm, so let's get on with a the beer. There's a reason why I've opened it already. I won't tell you. But I've got from Beak Brewery which we've established is from Brighton. It's a Lewis brewery, so kind of timely for this weekend's approaching fixture. But I saw, Carl, that you had sours, so I've gone for the same. I've got a cherry pie sour here at 8%. Big Terry, I've gone very similar. I'm a, uh, thinking away, I've got uh, Vault City Brewery, which is up in Edinburgh, absolutely falling in love with the brewery. Uh a cherry limeade at 4.7%. So I reckon I'd have two of these for one of yours. <laughs> yeah, I think that's about how it works. I wish I went for a 4%, to be honest, but we are where we are. Heskiff, what you got? Yeah, I don't have a beer. I do have a, a drink that would make Albert roll his eyes. <laughs> it's a blood orange and mango sparkling water, basically. No sugar, nope. 0% sugar. Mate, you are so close to being a craft beer king. I've got the beard for it. <laughs> you certainly do. <laughs> You're just 8% alcoholic units behind me. Um, yep, yeah, so Sheffield United last night. We won, guys. Just take a moment to enjoy it before we <laughs> talk about how it almost all went very, very wrong. Um yeah, really, really early goal. Third time in the last six home games that we've conceded. Well, one, first minute against Everton, second minute against Brentford, first minute last night against Sheffield United. Heskiff, do you think um, Chris Richards might have thought he was playing in central midfield and then remembered he was right back? I don't know if he was thinking about anything at all. <laughs> I don't know where he was stood and then he just sort of... He was just there, so, just like humming the American national anthem to himself. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> giving Berich and Diaz the, you know, freedom of the pitch. <laughs> mm. Berich and Diaz, a former Blackburn player. We're going to be talking about them in a bit later. Um, Carl, did it worry you that we went down so early? Our Heskiff on the pod the other day said, oh, I'll be interested to see what the crowd do if we go a goal down early. <laughs> It's like he manifested knew. it. Hey, good good news. We'd had the rehearsal previously with the Everton and the uh, Brentford game. I'm going to say, 
20, 21 seconds goal gone in. I've got the app up. Uh, any chance I can get a train back? No, they've all got I'll sit with it. Oh. I, as, as, as my dad, my dad would say, if you're going to concede, give yourself 89 minutes to get back into it. And I, uh, and that was the upside of it all. Mm. Yeah, it was, it was, a, it's a weird one. Uh, we were talking about it at half time ago. Do you remember when we had a good defensive record? And if you think back, we took, we spoke about on the pod at length at how good it was after we beat Man United at Old Trafford because we'd barely conceded a goal. Sam Johnson had the most clean sheets in the Premier League. It was all rosy, and now <laughs> we just can't seem to keep anything out. Um, we suggested check to Curry's even better than we thought. Mm. Well, do you know what? I saw um, Nick Goodwin tweet today from BBC Radio asking... Palace fans who's Palace's third best player and the troll in me wanted to write Eze <laughs> because it's Elise the Corey Eze but um, yeah I don't want to but yeah he's, he's certainly a big miss that's for sure um, and maybe maybe it's something to do with the goalkeepers as well been moving around a bit at the back and I don't know getting to know each other all that who knows but 1-0 down but a bit like Brentford, Carl, it probably gave us a really, we just had to go after the game immediately, which probably suits us better than the sort of more what we do in the past to feel our way into games. It just makes us come out and it's probably where we're at our best. Yeah, I think exactly that. I mean, uh, I think we could all wonder what Roy says to them and what the strategy is. Evidently, it's not keep it tight for the first five. Um, go out there, lads. Introduce yourself to each other. Oh, one nil. But li- literally, the the instinct then straight on, and I think that's why uh, the reaction from the fans was so good. Goal goes in, one nil down. Everybody's looking amongst themselves. But within a minute after that, we're on the front foot and we're attacking. And at least we, I mean, you wouldn't fancy going one nil down without an Eze or an Elise on the pitch. That's for absolute certain. But yeah, I, even one nil down, and I was enjoying watching us for you know the next ten minutes. Just going, there is no way, there is absolutely no way we're not going to score in this because we were absolutely on the front foot, and that's what that's what all of us Palace fans want, isn't it? Hmm. And yeah, it took to the seventeenth minute for Eze to turn into Ibrahimovic and start <laughs> cry kicking the ball into the goal, but. It became the Elise and Eze show really, really quickly. And it was just like, you know, two sixth form kids took the ball off the year sevens and wouldn't let them have it back, wouldn't let anyone else have a touch. Culminating in that um, Eze finding <laughs> Elise deep at the back post of a free kick, just like these two are just playing with each other. No one else has got a chance. But um, uh, Heskiff. As they talked about, it's similar to Brentford away. It's another mm. Elise brilliant dig out and find at the back post. We're starting becoming a feature of his game now. Are you against Brighton's another one, for example, where he just yep. he seems to get it up and down so quick, giving literally the defenders no chance and putting it on a plate for the attacker. Yeah, and he doesn't need any backlift. He doesn't really need any space. He just sort of he'd already set himself when he got the ball for this Eze goal last night. Knew exactly where he was going to put it. Not only that, but he put it exactly where he wanted to put it. And uh, yeah, good good run from Eze and like say an acrobatic finish. And I think you know the te- the tails are up straight away. Then 
and and I'm sure we'll talk about it. But when Eze scored his second goal, his first thing to do was like get the ball. Let's come on, let's get on with it. Mm. Not in a like big headed way, just more of a like you know, like Cole said, we we we've, we can beat this team. We're scoring goals against this team. Let's get let's get on with it and let's do it. Now, as good as Elise's left foot is, why the fuck can't we score from a corner? I think we're up to we're pushing 130 corners this season without a goal. <laughs> you know what? We, I think we talked about it last week, week before. Ayu got an assist from a corner, taking a corner for Ghana. He did it in the last tournament as well. Get Ayu on the corners. That's the secret. Just the 11 corners last night. And you know what was frustrating about it as well? The keeper claimed a few. And at no point did we put a player to block the goalkeeper. I just blo- you, you saw the effect it had on us at Arsenal last week. Yeah, you know, just disrupt the goalkeeper. No one's doing it, and um, you can see what they're trying to do. They're constantly just trying to get that Anderson at the near post uh, or Gay at the near post whipped in far. Get just dip in behind the front man. But the the one thing that I don't understand there was one there was one point where we had a corner and Lerma was on the defender on the line. We were attacking, mm. right? The amount of height that Lerma can get to head a ball. I don't know why he's not the one like legging it in and just launching to, we, to get yeah, in the end of it. Didn't he on his debut? Sheffield like, United. Yes, we yeah. did. It was a wonder save that stopped it. Yeah. I mean, again, you know, you know, you say some comments that are going to come back to you know come back to haunt you. We were walking back to the station after Sheffield United, and I said, "He scored five from corners this season." <laughs> 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 Kevin Nolan. Is Kevin Nolan? Name doesn't sound right. West Ham assistant manager interview. Yeah, yeah. It's Kevin Nolan. Kevin, isn't it? Kevin Nolan, former Bolton. Player. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he he said uh, West Ham. They they made this really conscious effort. There's an, an inextricable link between the teams at the top of the table and the bottom of the table with what they score from set pieces. The team that scored the most from corners last season was actually Man City they're not the biggest team etc 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 but it is all about movement and they said Mm. it's all about working on where you can get the blocks in to create the space that are subtle enough that VAR doesn't pick it up he said he said at West Ham we work on it absolutely every training session you get the feeling we 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 just don't you know it's because it's not like you can see the pattern of what we're trying and we're getting close. I mean, from the first day of the season, you saw, it, I can't remember who it was, somebody moved, it created a space for Lerman, he headed it. From there on in, every team's seen that, they're stopping us doing that, and we haven't got a, you know, the plan B, C, D or E. Yes. Isn't Dean Kiley our set-piece guy? Yeah. He's yeah. just saying, just like, get in the mixer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <He's, Don't laughs> <he's>, uh, <laughs> just, get, just get it in there. Someone get on the end of it. Yeah, it's um, yeah. I mean, I'm not surprised West Ham focused on it because they've got James Ward Prowse, but we have Elisa and Eze who both yeah. can put a ball on a sixpence. So it's just yeah, it, it feels like it's something we should focus on, but obviously don't uh, to any any sort of degree that we should. Um, we had an interesting question in from Ryan. Did it feel like to anyone that? Fans wanted us to lose last night. Palace fans. Uh, definitely did not as much as it did on the Brentford one. Mm. I, I I had people contact me and even somebody said, 
to me beforehand on the concourse for the greater good. I hope we lose and he's gone. And, mm. and uh, all I would say is I think on either of the games, if we'd lost, he wasn't going. So, so I, but I never want my team to lose anyway, but the, I didn't feel that yesterday. I didn't feel it yesterday. I did feel yeah. it or did hear it and against Brentford. Yeah, I feel I feel it's like a, a big shame yesterday because I think it ended up feeling quite flat at Sellhurst, even despite the game. I just don't I don't think the crowd massively got into it. But we were after Eze scored and the building up to Eze scoring, I felt the crowd were really getting into it, really getting into it. And then of course Sheffield United then <laughs> go down the other end and score again. And Carl, you'd notice that McAtee was dropping off in behind the, the midfield quite a lot and getting some joy early on. Yeah, he, look, he looks a great player. He really, really, really does look a great player. And, I mean, he did it three or four times in the first half, which ultimately led to their second goal, whereby as soon as they won the ball, and in the case of the second goal, I think it's, it's Ebbs who gets mugged for it, he just runs off the back. And, yeah, it you know, really probably Hugh should have brought him down and taken a yellow, but he runs off the back of him. But that, that space that we've now leave, apart from last 30 minutes when we're actually all sat on top of each other. But the space we're leaving between our two central defenders, two defensive midfielders and the two centre-backs, McAtee just played in totally. I mean, Sheffield United's problem was they really only had him on that level. And, and you know, he was... But they were very happy to ping it into McBurney. And literally the first on all of his knockdowns was McAtee. He's reads mm. it really, really well. Yeah, he did do really well. And I think may, maybe Hughes did try to fail McBurney and he just couldn't bring him down because McBurney's a unit. <laughs> but yeah, um, and then again, just really unfortunate. I think that's the second massive deflection off Gay recently, isn't it? This yeah. uh, led to a goal, which is really, really unfortunate. Um, why we're on Gay, poor performance from him last night, I thought. Not, not his usual sharp self, but... Um, I don't think he's looked quite himself for three or four weeks now. And mm. I don't know, he, he, he looks, he doesn't look as happy. And I don't know don't anybody read into that, that he wants to leave or anything along those lines. Just I wonder if the weight of all of this is, is, is drown, you know, mm. is, is weighing heavy on him. Players like winning football games. And, yeah. you know, there's nothing like winning two on the trot. And it's been a blimmin' long time since we won two on the trot. And, you know, you saw what they were like after the draw-up at Man City. But it's, it's been a long time since they've had big highs, even the games we've won at home. For the last five or ten, you know, you take Brentford and you take Sheffield, we've been hanging off. They're coming off with relief, not full of, you know, mm-hmm. high-fiving that it was a fantastic performance and we've torn somebody apart. Yeah, Albert mentioned it on the last pod, was saying that he, he felt like gay. He said it, is that he looks like he doesn't want to be here. Look, we don't know what that is. But yeah, we're all sort of noticing that there's something not quite right there. But hopefully it's just more more like you're saying there, Carl. Um, but of course, we get back into the game again. And this time, Heskiff, it is an absolute beauty from Hesse on his weaker foot. Yeah, and he, he was interviewed uh by Palace after the game about the, his sort of link-ups with Elise and he described it as Elise's easiest assist of all time because <laughs> yeah. he just passed it into him and did all the work. Um, yeah, I, you know, what, what a finish on his so-called weaker foot and from where I stand in the homestyle, as soon as he hit, it was in. Yeah. You could tell it was in. Um, 
Uh, it's just it's just he's te- te- we all know how good he is technically, but just it just makes it look so seamless. He just sort of turned around, took a touch, and then rifled it in. It's just the sort of goal you expect from Reze now, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's a brilliant goal, but it's not a surprise at all. No, his ability to create a yard of space before the defenders even realise he's done it is uncanny. Really, it's just a very very special plays for he's. I don't. He sort of flicks between an incredible first touch and a, a weird first touch, but you know, a lot of the time when the ball's pinged into him, he's creating space with that first touch, which just you know gives him the upper hand over defenders immediately. But yeah, an absolute brilliant goal. And you know, it it made it, this, him talking about the assists like that made me think about last season. So at least they finished with eleven assists, ten assists last season, whatever it was. And then it was only Saka who's under 21 who got more assists and then I looked at expected assists as a stat which I I don't know if I agree or not but then I was like you know Saka's was atrociously low and I looked and it was like half of these assists were Thomas Partey scoring from 30 yards or Xhaka scoring from 25 yards and it wasn't like last season at least I was pointing on a plate for everyone you know that's a proper proper assist yeah. And where Saka's one to a five yard square ball was to party, we then bend it in the top corner. So, um, yeah, th- that was an easy one for Elise, but it's not his um, bread and butter assist like the first one, for example. But um, I think I think yeah. the ice hockey assist on that second one goes to JP, doesn't it? Well, if, 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 it, uh, yeah. if it was all about, you know, the uh, Ebbs's movement and creation of space, and then the incredible whip, just the brawl, the, the battering ram of Mateta to get it out to Elise to start with was great. Yeah, and we'll, yeah, I was going to get into this after, but what a game from Mateta. I don't like, I don't know how much it is that the Sheffield United centre-backs are poor, um, and he could just bully him as a result. But everything stuck to him. He battled for everything. He chased down lost causes. He forced them into mistakes. He just did everything that, you know, a royal formation needs his centre forward to be doing. And I just thought he was fucking brilliant. And, you know, getting a run of games as well, it doesn't look like he's blowing out of his ass after 55 minutes. He could keep going to the 85th minute in that game. Probably didn't even need to come off, to be honest. Um, bizarre, bizarre substitutions. I, I still don't get. They they were weird substitutions. I don't know what he what he was playing at, but yeah. I I I I, I, I have a theory. Those first two substitutions are the most two Roy substitutions ever. And he thought, I will tell you what, I'll throw I'll throw a curveball in. They never expect this one right at the end because I'm looking at going. The last player he's taking off here is going to be Mateta. What? Well, I I swear he only bought Ozo on so he could blame him if they equalised. (laughs) <laughs> i kid i kid or do i i do it but no it was uh so going at half time two two um and then there's i saw a poll somewhere on twitter that was saying what was better goal Eze or elise and it was it was kind of split down the middle so quick quick canvas carl elise Eze. elise yeah, oh, yeah, you both got it. They say that's because yeah. you guys understand football. Sorry, everyone else who thinks it. And it is, I, I, I joked, Doc Brown just laughed at me in um, uh, the victory after when I said it's like Sophie's choice. <laughs> it's like, he's like, I don't think it's quite that. But <laughs> um, they are both incredible goals, absolutely. Like, especially considering that he's on his week of 40 beats the man and so on. But 
look at Eze's reaction to the goal in that interview that you alluded to earlier when he says he's he's wrapped it when the ball was in the air. He's like me- messy esque. Yeah. It's just you know I can be say it's Iron Robin, Iron Iron Robin at his absolute best. Like you know would would love that goal. It's just magical. Like to to put that in just shows Carl why we all think he's going to the top. Yeah, I'm, I've definitely not seen a better younger player in a Palace shirt. I just just absolutely incredible. It amazes me still that we have him at the Palace and I'm just gutted every time that he isn't playing. It's, you know, it's one less opportunity that we, you know, that we that we didn't get to see him because he ain't going to be here for very long because he, re- you know, he's not a level above us. He's several levels above us. Uh, I'm, maybe I'm biased. I just think he gets into any Premier League team. Any. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. I, I, honestly, I think he gets into any team in the world. Yeah. I, I, it might sound over the top, but if you're saying that Man City are Champions League, holders off the back of a treble and we're saying he gets into their team we obviously then is probably getting into every team right I just don't see how he doesn't and he's going to go and do it in the Champions League next season I'm absolutely certain he will you know and it's funny we always we think back to Wilf when he was young and so on and how good we thought he was I think everyone knows that Elise is levels above where Wilf was when Wilf was 21 which is not a slight against Wilf Wilf was doing it at that age in the championship and, you know, got a move to Man United out of it and whatever. But this is, he's doing it in the Premier League at the same age to an extremely high level. Yeah, totally. Mm. So I've also had a couple of questions in around, there seems to be some offers for JP on the table, but we joked about it a couple of weeks ago, talking about how he always does it around the transfer window, Heskiff. <laughs> yeah, how much money do you accept for him now at this point? Is it? Is it yeah. we, I think you might have mentioned it before, but he's the new Tommy Black. As soon as a contract's <laughs> coming up or a window's coming up, he's he turns it on. <laughs> I mean, how much? You know, it, when we saw the reports earlier this month saying fifteen million, twenty million, I'm like, to to make a profit on what we got him for would be unthinkable. A lot of the time that he's been here, much as I like him. Um, but then, you know, the last sort of month, two months, he's actually been really good um, when we've needed him to be because Edouard got injured when he was on a good run of form. And, you know, he scored goals in Germany, so I can understand why German teams would want him. Um, I just, if we're going to sell him in a window without having get anyone else in, it would have to be a big old offer. Um, yeah. I, I, I think it'd be suicide to sell him without bringing in a striker. Yeah. Another striker. It would be, as we say, otherwise Jeffrey Schlupp's our third choice striker at, at that point, you know, so, think, or second choice. I, th- I think the challenge sits around all of it, which is in the medium term, with a new manager in there, do they want a JP up front? And the answer is probably no the manager at the present moment is Roy Hodgson and there's probably no better centre you're not going to find a better centre forward than JP for similar type money in a, in a in a January transfer window so it's he's actually you know whatever his value is let's just say he's worth 15 million he's not worth 15 million at the moment to us he's worth 20 million 25 million to can you take him out of there even if you bring somebody in the chances are you're not bringing in a Mateta type player no, it's you know you you know what we've been looking at in the past, Enketia, etc. You know you you wouldn't fancy an Enketia type player in a 
Roy Hodgson type formation. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, Roy has shown in the past that you know. Remember, we had we had all sorts of striker problems, and then we ended up playing Townsend and Wilf in a really weird sort of four six zero four four two kind of thing. So he's shown he's shown he knows ways to get around it slightly, but um, I don't think out of choice it'd be like yeah, take away a guy who the ball was sticking to like glue at the moment. I don't. I, even last night, it got to a stage where not once did I look at him and feel like he was a giraffe running around a football field trying to control <laughs> the football. I was like, he looks like a footballer now as well. It's just like, and maybe it's just, you know, what they say, and amazing what a run of games interrupted will do for you because he just, just looks like a completely different player. <laughs> so, you know, who knows? Maybe he'll be here for the next three years and he'll, he'll kick on and, you know, just won't look back from it. And, you know, as long as you've got Eze and Elise chipping in with the goals and you, you're not reliant on your number nine scoring the goals for you, if he can just be the man that you play through and he's good at it, then, like you say, is he's the perfect size guy and build and, you know, got some mo- mobility once he gets, you know, up and running. You know, he's what, Man City, Liverpool, nipping in to win those penalties and things like that. You know, he's got... um he causes a lot of problems for den- defenders at the moment. So he can also take a keeper. He can also take a keeper out without getting a yellow card, can't he? <laughs> do, you, do you know what? He does bring something in that. I don't. He, he, ain't, he ain't scared of physical contact. He's got a little bit of the shit house rebound. He also does get the fans up, and I'm not suggesting that's yeah. a reason why he should play every week. But I don't half appreciate it compared to watching Edward at times. <laughs> yeah, mm, I know what you mean. Uh, I'm just, at, right at the end of the game, Edouard's got the ball in the corner. He's like trying to play keep ball, but David Ozo is standing in the 18 yard box on his own. And I was like, please just square it. I can't just square it. I know, I know why he kept the ball in the corner. And then, you know, minutes later, Ozo did the same thing really smartly, like, you know, really showed well, yeah. really good maturity to just, you know, people around me were suggesting he needed a map because he was lost because he was so far out of the pitch. But I think that's unfair given he, he, he chipped in with goals for the academy, doesn't he? So, um, yeah, yeah, a bit unfair. But no, he did, he did all right. Um, yeah, 3-2 win. You know, they hit a bar at the end, get really close. Um, Anderson, I thought he was going to slice into his own net. At one point, when the him a bit of indecision between him and Henderson, but we managed to hold on a massive three points for Roy. I mean, Carl, you've already said you don't think he would have gone if we lost anyway, so kind of a moot point there. Yeah, look, I think whilst the players still want to play for Roy and they categorically do, they believe in him and they like it and they like the backroom staff. I think the he's you know unless it gets disastrous, you know you're absolutely look you know staring down the barrel of relegation then then they stick with him you know and the plan being I mean like it or don't like it the plan is he gets us through any new manager who comes in even if the manager you really want is now available if that even that's the case they don't want to start till the summer so they all nobody wants to come into a team that's in a relegation battle not because they're worried about getting relegated because they want the chance to work with players and you know put in their new way, not starting off at the back foot with a team that's struggling and low in confidence. So, yeah, look, I, if if you're going to sack him because you lost, you might as well sack him because you drew or you won. <laughs> so it's, yeah. you know, it's I, I don't, it weren't about the three points as such, but yeah, there's no doubt everybody asleep a bit better at the Palace because we did win. Yeah, I think, 
I think he's probably going to weather the storm, isn't he? He's just just about going to do enough to get through it. Um, and you know, say it quietly, beat them lot on the weekend. We're only five points behind them, so it's. Um, I look. If he if he had anything about it, we win that lot, beat that lot down there, and he gets a microphone and goes. Points to that empty end. There's empty three stands. He says, and that's me out of here, Palace. Thank you very much. Honestly, I'll build the. I'll start building the statue myself. <laughs> mm, so, right, let's move on. Let's get into transfers. At half time in the Sheffield United game last night, we had um, Daniel Munoz. How am I saying it? Haskiff, you know Munoz. 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 Uh, who. I think it was Woosnam was pointing out, used to be an ultra for the club he supported when he was younger. Yeah. Um, his, uh, yeah and his, he, he, he looks like... Go on. His nickname, I can't say it in Spanish because I haven't got it in front of me, but his nickname translates as the fan on the pitch because he was oh, an ultra really? and played for the team, which is pretty good. That, that is pretty legendary. Yeah. Good. I like the sound of that. And I also love the sound of that he's got five goals in 17 games this season from right back. Say Mate. say what now? <laughs> <laughs> like his, let's see if I can remember this rightly. He played 148 games for Genk, and he had 20 goals and 19 assists, or 19 goals and 20 assists, which is brilliant. You know, notwithstanding the Belgian league standard or whatever, he's got eight goals in 30 games for Colombia. Right somewhere. Yeah, like, we'll get that knocked out of him. Mad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't go past that halfway line, Daniel. Yeah, uh, it sounds what, like right? we've got a cross between Kevin Muscat. And Patrick Van Arnold. Yeah. Exactly. A psycho lunatic who likes to attack. Mm. Yeah. So, no, it, sounds, it all seems very exciting. However, however, Heskiff, mm. I, I don't know how you feel about this. If I walked into a coffee shop and asked for two coffees in Spanish. <laughs> now, even if I said it in English, right? If you go to a coffee shop and you order two coffees, you are going to get bombarded with questions. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what coffees? What what type of what coffee? Size? What, what kind milk? Of milk? What's your name? <laughs> Can't just go ordering two coffees. I'm not having this, especially not in Spanish. In fucking where where what you knew where it was where this coffee shop is, right? Um, I think it's in Camberwell somewhere. Yeah, is it like um, uh, yes, yeah, Woolworth Road or something like that? I'm yeah, sure, that's like, where somewhere. It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So walks in there where we've established because we know someone who gets their coffee from there that no one in there speaks Spanish. <laughs> so he's gone in there and he's gone. Uh, dos, co- dos coffee and so dos coffee por favor and uh, it's just the, per- the person behind the counter probably go pour your four do you want, do you want milk in that <laughs> but anyway like notwithstanding that he's then taken by that point a freezing fucking cold coffee to Jefferson Lerma at the training ground <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> Welcome. Where you, oh, there's an outtake where Jefferson Lerma just spits it back in his face, just being like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> back to Belgium. <laughs> no, um, yeah, but, but strange video, strange video. So I've uh, just I've just done a little bit of research uh, about his goal scoring. I think it was 8 in 30 in Colombia. Oh, right. For Colombia. Not but he's still got he's still got over twenty caps for the Colombia national team, which is not too shabby because Colombia are pretty decent. Mm. God, did he play in uh, the battle of the what World Cup was it twenty 
so what was the one when we made the semi? Russia. Russia, yeah, 2018. Yeah, yeah, in Moscow. Uh, Yeah, Moscow. God, that was a battle, that was. <laughs> what a game i love that one that, that do you remember all the yeah. uh, the the photos and the videos and the penalty shootout with all the england players turning to them after we won it on it yeah you could you could tell that that was fruity that game <laughs> i will say so he he only made his debut in 2020 or 2019 but it's so he made sorry he made his debut he was called up but made his debut in 2020 in the world cup qualifier against peru he came on in the 56th minute for <laughs> Stefan Medina. In less than a minute, he committed a foul. It was upgraded to a red card after VAR. <laughs> go on then. I think, here we go. More Is he going to get more red cards than goals? <laughs> <laughs> I love him already. I've never even seen uh, him. Ali, oh, breath of fresh air. Listen, uh, we don't want to get into outrageous predictions because we was already doing some more. Uh, my, my outrageous prediction is that Wharton has already played more minutes for Blackburn than he'll play for Palace in the rest of 2024 in 2024. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I think for the Premier League Cup. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, he's been signed for the youth team, just made to look like a first team signing. Or or, or maybe not, who knows? Uh, he might he might not be coming in. Um yeah, so Munis is through the door, so then now we've got Walton from Blackburn, who is all but done, right, Carl? Yeah, really, really, really. I mean, all but done. <laughs> Please, surely we won't find anything on his medical. He's got Nathan <laughs> Ferguson hole in his uh, cruise ship. Yeah, the, the undoubtedly our first choice midfielder. They've been watching him. Uh, they liked the look of him back end of last year. They they looked at him, thought far too early for him in the summer. Uh, watched him all through the first half of this this season. Were always going to go in for him, even if Decore hadn't got injured, just for the fear of missing out. Otherwise, and knew that Blackburn needed to sell, needed money in, needed to sell somebody. And yeah, really, I think that. Well, I know Dougie is absolutely over the moon in getting him in, and yeah, we're, they're convinced. They're absolutely convinced they've got a proper player. Yeah, so we've seen um, a friend of mine, Nick, who knows a Blackburn fan, has said, "Honestly, mate, you've you've got yourself an incredible player. He's going to the top. Uh, we call him Chavi Alonso." That's <laughs> what they call him at Blackburn. So that sounds good to me. And yeah, it's just been, you know, the Blackburn fans are just so annoyed. Like the, the whole stupidness of, you know, the financial situation that's going on there. I saw one comparison talking about we turned down 20 million for Barrison Diaz in the last year of his contracts. I can't believe we've only got 20 million for war. And that's on the back of this sounds ridiculous. Um, and probably is kind of an indicator of why it's all of a bit of a shit show in Blackburn at the moment. But every, I just can't, I haven't found one negative report about him. Just not one. Um, Carl, you, you, you can said he's been compared to Matic to you, yeah. a mobile Matic. Yeah. So I got a, uh, I'll, I'll say one of the, the old CEO of Blackburn, his, his son, who I got to know really well. He's a, so he's, he's Blackburn through and through goes all the time. And anyway, his, his feedback to me is, he's, you know, imagine Matic at his absolute best 
that's that's what you're getting. He's you know he reads the game really well. Wherever the ball seems to go, he's there. Can pass through the lines just and and not forgetting he's 19. That you know mm. he's he, he's going. They they haven't had anybody at Blackburn like that for 20 years. It's just you know an absolute standout talent. Yeah, it's um, basically midfielders under 21 in the championship. He leads basically every category in the division <laughs> for for midfielders, uh, ranks first for absolutely everything. Um, I was flicking through trying to see if I could find a tweet that, I was, that someone was writing about him that watches him a lot. Uh, I, can't, I can't quite find it. But basically, he was just saying, you know, he's got everything you need. He's got absolutely everything. He can pass. He's got the energy. He's robust. He's got sort of like an elastic type frame that can get him around people as well. So just he's got every single attribute that you need to be a successful centre midfielder in the Premier League these days. So very exciting. And it's Dougie doing it again. Let's let's face it. We've we've seen it with Eze. We've seen it with Elise. We've got Gay through the door. It's just another big tick in that box, which is going to result in a very, very multi-multi tens of millions of pounds fee back in the door somewhere down the line and you know Carl that's that's the model right that's what they want to get towards we we, with phase one is probably been done now in terms of getting those players in now it's just realizing the value on top which is going to be uncomfortable for a lot of us but you know they're gonna have to we're gonna have to put up with it no, exactly. I don't. I think. I think it probably comes a little bit more palatable if you can see the one. You know, when you look at your bench and you go, "And I really want him." You've got a manager starting point who wants to play the players off the bench. If you look at the bench, going, "That France is already exciting." Oh well, we knew Elise is going, and that checks big, and that means now France gets this opportunity. Oh, and by the way, I know they're going to spend the fifty or the sixty on two or three others. Then I think it's a fan base. You know, you, you might not be happy, but you, you know you have to accept it. I mean, model or no model, if you've got a player who is so significantly better than you, you know, it's not often you get a wolf who wants to stay with you for you know nine tenths of his career. You know, at least model or no model, at least I'd be going because he is so significantly better than us. Than, I think the exciting thing is we're not trying to look to buy in. You know, Munoz is a little bit of an a, a difference isn't it at age 27 but the general average age of what we're bringing in is you know somewhere between 19 and 22 23 and they've all got their peak ahead of them if we can get a few of these at their peak then you know stands us in good stead what's uh, the, the Muniz one did come across as a little bit strange in that sense and is it like is, is Joel Wall's injury quite bad because we haven't really heard much about it have we and he's already off doing punditry feels like he's looking towards the next stage of his career hey look that i i I don't know the answer to it on his injury i i know palace in an ideal world wanted to bring a right back in over the summer and roy was really happy with what he had in fact he didn't you know he wanted joel ward uh and he was very happy with nathaniel klein as a backup because he knows nathaniel for that dying klein doesn't kick off if he's not playing etc etc so they were far more interested in seeing if they could bring somebody in who could cover left back which is obviously going to be lewis hall or, or even play left back the uh so i think that, you know that's a, now we're we're six months on maybe ward is out injured maybe roy slightly changed or maybe they're looking at going actually that's the player we want and it's a definitely the right type of money. And you know what? The next, whoever the next manager is, he will definitely want that type of player. So they've just done it. 
And I think it says a lot about how Friedman goes about his business as well. Because, you know, we've heard a lot of stories about signing Elise, uh, Wharton as well, I'm sure it's true, where Dougie does a lot of personal sort of interaction with them. Not only like identifying the player that he wants, but making them feel that they are a big deal to come to Palace, whether we're a stepping stone or whatever. Um, I remember, you know, Carl, you said to me when, when we were after Decore, what a big deal everyone thought it was. I couldn't believe he's going to Palace because he is a brilliant player for Lens. And it's easy to forget that he's only just turned 24. So he was 22 when we bought him and he, he was absolutely unbelievable. And I think having someone like Freeman in who can obviously spot a player, but also make the move to Palace one that is really appealing and the personal touch of making them feel like they're a special signing for us shouldn't go unnoticed because I wouldn't be surprised if if he's been the reason why some of these players come as well. Yeah, I think it's a really good point. I mean, it's the if I think the the Munoz deal actually is is as the geek when you look at transfers being done. You know, however many deals we do during this window, though the two that look like they're going to be done, but Munoz especially is absolutely textbook. You're trying to sign a player from another country who's an international during a transfer, uh, January window. And they've managed to do that at the price they wanted to go pay and control the timing of it. They could have done that transfer in the first week. They didn't want to because they needed to know how much they were going to go pay out on Wharton and some other bits. So they, But they had him well and truly wanting to come to Palace. All of the work, all done before the January window opened, was them with him telling him what he would be at Palace, how he'd play, how he'd settle in. You've got Lerma there, Premier League window. And and so he'd bought into us. So Palace could control the timing of it. They could control the fee. When when the Belgians wanted more money, Palace went, no, he's not going anywhere else. He's only ever coming to us. So mm. it was really... So they it's really well managed from a finance perspective, but it's really well managed in the player himself because the player sat there going, you know what? A little bit like Wharton to it. So he said Wharton didn't kick off because he couldn't come to Palace, but it was it was very interesting. The moment the noises, all of a sudden we might be looking at somebody else, the deal gets done because you've got the player in there going, no, I want to go there, you know, and that's what they've done. Yeah. Okay, so we've had some questions come in. We've had a few around along the lines of how many more likely other than Wharton. Um Will has asked that, and then as Jack has asked, uh, will we be signing a striker? Well, that's what they wanted to do. I mean, when they set out the start of the window, they wanted to try and get a striker in the first week. They always wanted to do Wharton and and, and clearly have, have wanted to do Munoz and do the timing of it all. They'd done a deal on a striker in the first week. That was Danny Ings. Agreed a fee with West Ham. Had obviously must have outlined wages agreed. For one reason or another, Danny Ings turned us down. Uh, the club are 100% trying to bring a centre-forward in or a forward player in. Don't think there's any doubt who they most want. That's Ndai in Marseille. But that's a really difficult one to go do because he's away at AFCON, which means you might be able to do a deal with Marseille, but you won't be able to get him truly for a medical and all of that. So it probably feels like if they do manage to broker that deal, it's him in on loan with hopefully then an option to go buy, etc. that type of thing. But they're out there. They they will. They've got the money. They spend the money, or if they can't get the player they want for the medium term, 
their Apple do alone. So all of the ones that you've seen in the press in Acpom, for example, uh, Corne, they're definitely 100% true of players that we've gone and had a look at, chatted with. We talked with Al- Alcatraz, can never say his name, the one at Southampton who's gone going to Juve. Uh, Borgia, Borgia, Amanda Borgia, Chelsea, Brogia, forget which one. Yeah. Which way the R and the O's around? Uh, so yeah, they. I. I expect us. Can't say it's definitely going to happen because there's nowhere near advanced as the water one. I thought the water one would get done. Get done. They are trying to bring a centre forward in, and it's not in any way linked with anybody going out. So we'd be back to where we were when we brought in Mateta, where we had three centre forwards. Their aim would be. If we're bringing one in permanently, they then try and lose one in the summer. There's no desire to have three permanently on the books, but they, they'd like to bring a third one in. Now, they'd also opportunistically like to bring in somebody who can either cover left-back and central midfield, even though we're still bringing in uh, uh, Walton. Now, that will almost certainly be a loan, but that's a little bit... They've got a list of players that they quite like. You know, Chalaba being an you know, a very obvious one. If he does come available on loan, they would like to go do that, you know, or, you know, it probably looks like they won't be able to do the Johnson one at West Ham, but yeah, they would, they would, in an ideal world, they add Wharton and they add two more and none of it's linked to players going out. Okay. So, turning out to be quite a bit more of an exciting window than anyone expected, really. <laughs> um, I, think, I, I, I think, again, there's a, They'd always planned to go relatively big. Sorry, always planned. I don't think they planned that at the end of the summer. But by the way the season had played out, they'd decided some of the deals that ideally they probably would have done next summer, they would do now. But they don't want to waste money. So they're not looking for somebody to come in who isn't set up for part be a part of the club for the future. They'd rather spend 30 on a centre-forward who's the right centre-forward than 15 on somebody who isn't, you know, better than we've already got and is suited more to Roy Hodgson, if that makes sense. Hmm. Okay. So, and then the remaining questions are all about the other end of the pitch. We've obviously reports just before we've gone on to record this tonight that Forrest are trying to get Sam Johnson in for 15 million. Um, and basically, it was a lot of the questions were, do you cash in? I don't think you can. I, uh, I would Sam Johnston want it? You would think almost certainly because, I mean, he must feel like he's, he'd won the lottery and then he's realised he left the ticket in the shirt that he stuck in the washing. You know, he's come out of nowhere. He's made the Palace team. He's made the England squad. He's made the England number two slot. He's even got to play for England. Now he's not even heading to the Euros if he's sat on the bench for the Palace. So, you know, he almost certainly would like to go. Uh, Forrest desperately need a goalkeeper so put two and two together it feels right there is no way we let a strong second team goalkeeper go without a replacement and as of about 24 hours ago we definitely weren't out there looking for another goalkeeper and you know we'd be going for the same type of goalkeeper Forrest would also be going for if they couldn't get Sam Johnston so I'd be amazed if he goes I don't Mm. think you can cash in because Two, two things get you relegated, don't they? Having an absolute shite goalkeeper and not being able to score goals. And, you know, I uh, 
I don't think any of us would want a scenario whereby Dean Henderson gets injured and you haven't got a decent, you know, Premier League goalkeeper as backup. Oh, and, I th- and Dean Henderson has shown a tendency to get injured in his career. So, yeah, yeah I, I can't see it happening uh, if, unless Forrest want to pay absolutely stupid money, which I obviously. Yeah. defeats the object of signing him because it will just end up with more points deductions. Yeah, I can't say I just can't say maybe maybe um they've they've got somebody that they also like. You know, they I know they they really see you just wouldn't get him out of there. I I, I can't remember his name, I know it begins with B. We really like the Southampton goalkeeper who was at City. And he's got a link through Will Salthouse's agency, so you know, close connections and all of that. But you wouldn't get him out of there. And he wouldn't want to come to Palace to be number two. So it's, you know, it's, mm. I just can't see it. It'd be, I'd, you know, if what fee would make us want to go do it and risk Premier League survival, I just don't see it. Yeah. And at least what we've got with Johnson and Henderson is they are mates. They've both talked about it a lot. So, yeah. you know, can that's one way of keeping them both happy here at the same time. So... History says Henderson gets injured before the end of the season. I just think it'd be for Sam, it'd be, does he get in with enough games to go that hmm. gets him into that Euro squad? You know, you get into the last two and probably the answer's no, but history says Dean Henderson gets injured. Hmm. Indeed. Right. So a couple more bits on transfer window before we go on to Brighton. There's Kofi Barmer's gone on loan from the younger lads up to AFC Wimbledon. Um, another one for Albert's mate to report back on Heskiff. <laughs> yeah. But in the uh, the extended palace sphere of John Texter influence, <laughs> Botafogo have broken the Brazilian transfer record by spending twenty was it twenty million dollars? Euros, whatever it is, twenty million something. I don't think it's Rand where I was the other day. Turkish Lira. But yeah. And Leon are after Ben Rama. And Mangala. And Mangala. I think that's done, isn't it? I think Mangala's done. Definitely, I was, I was, without, I won't say his name, but I was with, I ended up in an hour's conversation with a football agent today. Actually, nothing to do with it. He's a football, he's an agent. And uh, uh, he told me, Texters bought Mangala, so I'm assuming that is if it's not done, it's near enough done. So, yeah, he's definitely mm-hmm. found his checkbook. Yeah, and I mean Leon definitely need it as well, mainly because, like we've said previously, they they can't play that relegation playoff because Taylor Swift is in their stadium for a concert. So. <laughs> hey, I've got a feeling the French the, the French ultras will start burning down your house if you uh, if you if you end up near the relegation zone. Do you know what funny thing? Funnier things have been happening around the world in the last year or so with teams who have never been relegated getting relegated and things like that. So you know, nobody's nobody's safe these days. Well, it definitely uh, it definitely kicked off in France a couple of years ago when Saint Etienne went down. They're like you know the big yeah. historic team in France, and I think on the final whistle, maybe even before the final whistle, seventy five percent of the stadium was on the pitch running after the players. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, same happened in uh, Hamburg, didn't it, a few years back when they went down. Um, Yeah, indeed. And then talking to Ben Rama, he's one of our, we'll just chat briefly about some Crystal Palace transfer sagas or laughs down the years in some transfer windows. 
Ben Rama was a Paddis player, weren't he, Carl? Yeah, so done the deal with Brentford, done the deal with him. He even got himself photographed in a Palace shirt in his garden. And uh, yeah, it turns out Roy really didn't want him and he preferred Andros Townsend. And that is the reason why Ben Rama always gives it big when he scores against us. He always puts his hands to his ears and runs towards us. Yeah, he was he was, he was meant to be a Palace player. It's not our fault, though. What's he giving it to us for? <laughs> did, did, did him a lot of good when he did it uh, um, at their place last year when Michael Aliso went and got the last-minute yeah. winner. So. <laughs> uh, Heskiff, who's in the Sainsbury's car park, mate? Oh, God, it's very crowded now, isn't it? <laughs> Odin Wingy one side, David Nugent the other. <laughs> it's funny, the David Nugent one was a BBS thing, wasn't it? Was he ever actually in the car park? Were we, uh, did we ever at, come at close point, to getting him through the at, door? Like at this point, I hope he wasn't because it's still a BBS thing. That Every window it raises his head. So, yeah, it will be better if he never was. Mm. Danuj is in the car park. Yeah, That would be the ultimate funny shit. If Palace's first ever statue was Nugent in the car park as a joke. Honestly, the media team should do it though, shouldn't they? Last day in the window, we've got a surprise signing coming through at ten fifty nine, and it's and we've signed him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what else we had, Danny? We've had. I love a photo leak. I love a photo leak, and we've had a few of those in recent years. And the Gyro Reader World one was very funny. Just someone, someone seemingly taking a picture on their camera phone of, I don't know, was it was old photographs of they was doing it from behind the photographer or whatever. But um, everyone knew we were signing Jai Riedervold, who came in and played centre-back against Huddersfield. <laughs> 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 but there was, another, there was another leaked photo of um, someone who's at West Ham now. I thought he's out on loan now, isn't he? But um, probably regretting the decision he made to go West Ham over us. Down at Southampton, Flynn Downs. Yep. Uh, yeah, he was, that was, he had the proper photo shoot and everything. That one was done. He had his name on the back. Mm. Someone's got that shirt somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> but he's, yeah, but, but I guess he's a West Ham fan, isn't he? So isn't that, wasn't that what ended up swaying it for him? I, I think that, and there is a, if, if it's true, I don't know, but, I, I, I say it. Work on the principle. This is true. Uh, I heard the story second hand. What overly didn't help it was when P- Patrick Vieira walked in, walked straight past him, and somebody <laughs> said so to Vieira, "That's our new signing, Flynn Downs." And he said, "Who?" <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. Well, at the same time, though, he played a massive bargain getting Elise through the door, so we can't we can't hold yeah. it against him too much. Um, and then just one, one other one that's always amused me was around circa 2010 time, we have a pre-season friendly and we've got a trialist up front who is very clearly Craig Fagan, who then vehemently denies it <laughs> for the next few <laughs> weeks when we're linked with him as signing him in. Um, I've, I've even, as I've got him as a former Palace player on my lists on, on the Twitter account because just because it's funny. <laughs> But yeah, absolutely not. It wasn't me. There was several thousand people there, mate, who very clearly <laughs> know it was you. <laughs> yeah, very good. But if you can think of this or any other Palace transfer saga, it's just what we just quickly knocked up 
five minutes before recording so i'm sure there's some we've missed um nicholas bentner was one we were trying to piece together uh having having someone stranded at the training ground and choosing to sign guediora instead <laughs> as as the transfer deadline closed um yeah there's a few few floating around out there but next up is brighton probably the best time to be facing them now we talked on the last pod that we've only got victories against teams who are 15th or below in the form table this season when we've played them, which continues now to be true, having beaten 16th place Sheffield United last night. We might have to stretch the rule a little bit here. Brighton are currently 14th in the form table, but joint on points with the team who's below them in 15th, being Brentford, I think. So... It might be the best time to play them, really. They've got, you know, it's all been sort of doing the rounds today. I've got three wins in 16 matches. Have the wheels come off, Carl? <laughs> oh, I'm, if, 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 this was, if this was a live video, I've just put my hand over my face. I uh, This game means more to me than you could ever. Wait, it's the same. I get buttered. This is the only game I get nervous about. I don't want to dare say anything that is. <laughs> I, uh, is it a good time to play them? I don't know. Have their wheels come off of there? I hope so. I've been I've been praying the wheels come off for a bloody long time. I mean, the full, you know, the media loving of the Zerby and Brighton and all of that. I bet their fans have been sat there half grumbling away putting their clappers over their faces. Oh, we've only won three in 16 and the media still love us. I tell you what, I'd love to beat him. I'd love, absolutely love to beat him. And and the, and that to be the not the catalyst of the wheels coming off, just to add to it all. But yeah, I'm a, I'd, I'd, I hate to say it, I would take the point now just because I can't stomach the thought of losing down there. And, uh, uh, and then they still only won three in 17. Mm. Well, if it's three in 17 and we beat them, that because you know I saw a post today on social media. There was loads of Brighton fans underneath going, "He's not under pressure. Of course he's not under pressure. This is stupid." You know, we go down there and we tuck him away three 0 or something. <laughs> so all of a sudden things might turn around very quickly. I, <laughs> I think that's the I think that's the biggest if we've ever had on this podcast. <laughs> hey, JP was JP's on fire, mate. Don't worry about it. At least he's going to scare him off. Yeah, and then. Now we've got Munoz to just fight them all as well if it all goes wrong. So that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, 14th in the form table. So it will take us to beat our highest placed opponent in the form table this season. But, you know, baby steps. We've got to creep up that table somehow. So, and as I said, higher up in the piece, we are, you know, we'll only be five points off them if we win. So a lot to we, be paid for. <laughs> if we, if, you know, joking aside of any of it, if we've got Eze and Elise and they can do 80 minutes each, I fancy us. I absolutely fancy us. They'll keep the ball. We won't be unhappy about that. But when we get the ball, you know, we've got players who can do something with it. The only downside is, not the only downside, the downside is when those two aren't on it, they'll keep the ball. When we get it, we'll end up lumping it bloody back to them. That's why you need Elise and Eze on there. And I guess probably, you know, there's three of us here. If you put the minute on where you think Elise comes off, 
you're probably going to get somewhere between 60 and 75, which probably with the injury time means there's 25 minutes without him on there. And we just don't have another player like him, you know? Well, you know, that Sheffield United hitting the crossbar last night, they, it would have taken them two weeks to break their old, their new record that they got of scoring the latest ever Premier League goal, <laughs> which they yeah, did yeah. against West Ham with that penalty. I think they yeah. would have broken that record if that yeah. went in <laughs> like a week later. But yeah, and and I was meant to talk about it in the Sheffield United game. There is not a Palace fan who there probably were many who didn't realise Wes Fodringham played for Palace because my dad hadn't realised that he played for Palace. Yeah. But when he came up for the call, I'm like, this is the ultimate ex-player piss take. Yeah. He puts it. Exactly <laughs> it's obviously happening. Yeah, exactly the same. Well, I did. I said, when their keeper went off, I went, I don't know why everybody's cheering. We know what's going to happen. The ex-Palace keeper comes on as an absolute weldy. <laughs> And then I've seen him coming up for a corner. I go, oh, for God's sake. Well, he did in the first game. He made some amazing yeah. saves on the first game of the season for them. Um, I'm surprised. I'm, I'm assuming he's not been doing that well or whatever. He's not in the team, but couldn't do anything about Elise's, could he? So Two goalkeepers. Matter. Two goalkeepers, too. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Well, maybe me and my prime. I might have got there. but <laughs> <laughs> You would have been still down there trying to get up from the previous one. <laughs> that, that is very, very true. So, um, yes, we're looking forward to going down to Brighton this weekend off the back of what we've we've seen, um, at least in an attacking sense. You know, it's two home games on the bounce. We've scored three goals. Um, find it, finding our scoring feet. So hopefully we can carry it down to the south I'll coast t- and get something out of it. I'll tell you what I do want to see because it's I've, outside of Paris, my favourite, my real favourite thing in football is Lewis Dunk lying on the floor as a team scores against him. And I've seen one goal from yesterday's Luton game and Lewis Dunk ends up on the floor with his hands on his face. And it makes me so happy. Yeah, that Jordan Ayew one just before oh, COVID was un- unreal. Still, still, still my Twitter header. Yeah. I'm not taking that down. I love that got, photo. Got, got me got me for about a year of COVID, that did. Yeah. Uh, well, it's one of the reasons why my daughter's middle name is Jordan, basically. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. Right. Um, we'll wrap it up there. Heskiff, thanks as always, mate. Carl, as always, for joining. Really appreciate it, mate. Thanks for all the insights that you've given us. And um, thanks to everyone who wrote in with questions to ask Carl. And thank you, Carl, for being game and answering them all and um, never shying away from any of them either. Thank you for that. Cheers, guys. Always great to be here. Yeah, so uh, I don't know what the schedule is. Do we play next week? Who fucking knows? Uh, Chelsea game's on a Monday now, isn't it? We love a Monday night. We love a Monday, Everton Monday, the week after that on a Monday. Oh, hell. My missus is loving it. We- weekends free. What? What's that? Yeah. So, no. Yeah. So, we'll, we'll probably record normal time next week in, in prep for that Chelsea game. So, and hopefully Albert will be better and back with us. So, thanks for all the questions. Thanks to Carl. Thanks to Hesky. Thank you for listening. And until next time, up the palace. 